Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bouncing Back, where we talk all things personal resilience on here. And I am your host, Joanna, and today we're going to be talking about something that I'm super excited to delve into. So we're going to focus on understanding autonomy and the role it plays in help-seeking behavior. Don't worry if this doesn't make too much sense right now. We're going to unpack it, and I'm joined by Ghassani Swariandini to help us out with that. Hi, Ghassani. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Johanna? I'm good. It's so great to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me again. It's yeah, you know, of course. So excited. It's like you know, it's an important topic. So I'm glad you um, came to me for like this discussion. Yeah, no, it was so great having you on last time, and we had a really great chat. So I'm excited to see where we go with this one today. Sweet. Amazing. Um, so we've already introduced you before, but for any new listeners, would you like to give us a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. So um, I'm Ghassani. My main job technically is a psychologist, but I'm also doing my PhD at the moment, just about um, cognitive biases and decision making. And I'm also doing some tutoring at um, university, so I'm kind of juggling different things here, but I guess on the side as well, I guess I'm doing podcasts now. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and just to get a, get to know a bit more about you, we have a section we like to call Have You Met Gasani? So since we've already done this on the show before yes. um, and you're practically a regular on the podcast <laughs> now, um, I thought we'd ask you some different questions. So my first sure. one for you is... Are you into traveling or is there a favorite place you've been to? Um, well, I mean, I haven't traveled much since COVID happened, you know, just a little thing. That's a little hiccup for everyone. But um, <laughs> I recently actually went to the US for the first time. I've never been before. Uh, I went to Philadelphia there for um, sort of like a graduate student conference sort of thing. And it was really brief, but it was great like I enjoyed it so much and I really hope I can actually start traveling a little bit again but um what I used to really like to do because I'm from Indonesia and there's a lot of you know smaller towns and regions in Indonesia that I haven't been to yet so that was kind of a thing that I was doing for quite a while um just sometimes with my parents and um we would go to, I guess, you know, just all of these different beautiful beaches on the eastern part of Indonesia. That's like a lot harder to get to than, say, like Bali, but yeah. it's so so beautiful and um, the foods are great. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing that again, hopefully soon. 
I hope you get to do that too. That sounds amazing. I love exploring like more low key places. I feel like you find the best things there. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never been to Indonesia. That's actually a goal of mine to be there. I swear every Australian's (laughs) been to Bali except me. I just haven't had a chance to go. (laughs) It's so close. (laughs) I know. I can't believe I've been, I've been to the US, but I haven't been to Bali. So I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Soon, Um, soon. Hopefully soon. But that's so amazing you got to go to the US. How long were you there for? I was only there for like three days. So I didn't even get a chance to get a jet lag, but, um, It was it was great. Um, I just went to like all of the historic sort of places where like, you know, the Museum of Independence, all that stuff. That was, yeah, yeah. that was great. America is amazing. The, I feel like it would take a lifetime to cover everything Everything. Got. Yeah, yeah, no, that's my next plan. Hopefully, like, you know, I can just sort of go there and just do like a bit of a, um, like a road trip or something all over. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that sounds amazing. And my next question for you is, what is your favorite cuisine? Well, I mean, I have to say eh, Indonesian. I, yeah, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you can, you know, you can take me away from Indonesia, but you can't take away the Indonesia from my stomach. So, you know, it's like, it's the best, I think. So I'm a little bit biased on that one. But have you had Indonesian food? Um, is nasi goreng Indonesian? Yeah, yeah. I okay, well, love that. Oh, so amazing. Um, that's probably the only dish that I know, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's really bad because I studied hospitality in high school and we had to learn a bunch of these Indonesian dishes and I've remembered nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> remember so, nasi goreng. So. Well, there you go. I love the way you say it. I wish I could say it as beautifully as you do. <laughs> but just I just native song. Yeah. Nah. Well, that's fabulous. Um, And my next one for you is, do you have like an inspirational quote or motto that you like to live by? Um, It took me a while actually to find one that I, you know, just truly, you know, rings in my heart and, um, you know, just try my best to live by it. But it's actually something that Jordan Peterson has said a while ago and he said, win humbly and lose nobly. And I thought that was fantastic because I think it really teaches us to, yeah, basically just whenever you have your wins, stay humble. And then whenever you lose, stay noble and gracious enough to take that loss. So, yeah. That would be a hard one to live by, I feel like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to keep yourself accountable and actually follow through with that sometimes so that's a really nice one yeah i think it's um it's a very um straightforward yet very strong and like you said it is hard but i think it it really helps me sort of like guide my responses as well so like you know hopefully i'm not uh becoming a sore loser or something like that whenever i lose something you know so yeah that's really nice so every time you have a situation pop up, does that like pop into your head and you sort of think about that before you respond or react? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think because it just really speaks to me, I think I just automatically carry it with me. So like even as 
know, things as silly as losing in a game of Uno or something like that, <laughs> you know, like I guess in the past when I was still like younger and still a kid, like, you know, you kind of like, mom, like suck a little bit and just like be sore loser. But then it's like, you know, it's nice to be able to like laugh at yourself a little bit on those times as well. And yeah. yeah. I feel like you have to pick your battles sometimes and what's worth you know <laughs> yeah. making a fuss over and what isn't so, exactly amazing yeah. and my last one for you is is there a course that you've completed that you know has been influential to you at all yeah so this is actually like a course on Coursera um and I guess is it okay if I just if this is not like sponsored or plugged but um I guess it's called Mindshift and it's a short course and it's more so a course on like thinking how to think. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it's the kind of course that would be really useful for everyone to learn, just like regardless of your educational background, areas of work and, you know, all that stuff. So the teacher I forgot like what's her name but she's really good at explaining like how we think and even though I don't think her background is psychology I think her background is more in science if I'm not mistaken but she was able to break down the concepts really well and then Morsa teaches us how to shift our mind basically and become better learners because a lot of the times we um we struggle to learn new things because of the mental blocks that's like blocking in our head and actually makes it more difficult for us to learn but if we can shift that thinking then yeah we'll just be better learners i love that and did she say like how you kind of go about doing that or what like the first step is Truth be told, I kind of forgot like the actual like thing that she said. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think for me, what was like memorable from that um, course was actually when she spoke about her own experience um, because she actually like shared quite a bit of that. And I thought that was like interesting because usually with those like online courses, you don't get to see that like that part of the journey of the instructors and like how they get to it because um like I said like her background is more like science and um she was talking about like oh for her to prepare for these sort of online courses she had to learn a lot of things and she was talking through about like oh how at first she was like struggling with it it was like difficult you know you kind of have to teach in a different way right compared to like teaching to a live class and um you have the setups like you need to sort of structure your videos certain way and that, you know she kind of talks through her process so to me that was actually really interesting um because i think she's quite um older as well so it's like she would have had a lot of experience but she showed that she kept having this eagerness to learn and I think that was probably the biggest takeaway that I had from that. Yeah amazing I find that when there's like an anecdote backing 
like educational content it makes yeah. it so much more relatable and like you yeah. actually take in like what's being said and what you're trying to learn I feel like when I'm just reading like an article or something I find it so hard to actually ingest what's being said but when yeah. there's something that you can really see happening in someone's life I feel like that's so much better exactly because you know when you learn about concepts it's abstract and you're just like okay sure like conceptually i get it mm. but how do i do it which yes. you know it's the harder bit <laughs> yeah i'm always like well that's really great as like an academic sort of perspective <laughs> but like how do i apply this to my life exactly so i think that even just that in itself sort of helps me as well like i guess communicating with like my clients my students and um i guess forcing myself to break away from all of these technical jargons and trying to use the right jargons but instead sort of like relating it back to what people understand amazing thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us um, okay. I think we'll jump into our interview questions now. Sweet. So my first one for you is why is resilience important in our life? Well, resilience is really important because life's going to throw a lot of things at you, right? And if we're not resilient, then life could be just really, really tough and the thing is, I think a lot of people can get a bit stuck in that idea of like, you know, for me to feel like I'm a good person, like I feel like I need to have an easy life. Like it shouldn't be this hard um, if life is this difficult. What does that say about me? Like does that mean I'm not a good person? Like does that mean I'm, I don't deserve good things? And, you know, life's, life's too short for us to sort of, spend a lot of time worrying and pondering on that whereas it's like look it doesn't matter whether a good person a bad person everyone gets thrown you know things and you know you get difficult things happening to you and this part is like outside of a control so if everyone's going to go through difficult things then the best thing we can do is actually to improve our resilience. Yeah, I think perspective is really great as well, mm -hmm. which is what I think you were like getting into as well, because you walk on the street and you see all these people and they're obviously not showing you all the bad things happening in their life. And yeah. it might be easy to just lose perspective on like the fact that life is both good and bad and we have to know how to get through the bad as well and yeah, yeah exactly like it can't be good all the time that's just not going to happen so yeah exactly it sucks but <laughs> that's reality <laughs> yeah but there's purpose to the bad parts of our life yeah. right because it's like let's say you know this is like a really um weird example but say if you know, from your birth, you just have this like dedicated chef, like world star chef that just cooks you absolutely the best foods in the world. So you've just grown accustomed to that. And I was like, well, it just becomes bleh, right? It just it doesn't become special anymore. But like sometimes you go, you know, eat out and you're like, 
this is crappy food. This is not great. So you know the standards for like good food because you've had the bad food. So uh, I like that. That was a really good one. <laughs> I also wish I had like a little personal chef from the day I was born. That would be amazing. Um, oh, yeah. Amazing. So my next question for you is what are some common misconceptions surrounding the idea of resilience? I think one of the biggest conceptions that I um, misconceptions that I've heard from clients um, is that oh someone who's resilient they're just strong all the time like you know they you know just seem like they can get <coughs> through things like they can seem like uh they're just fine but like you said right like when we walk on the streets like we don't know like like externally they might seem fine but like internally we have no idea what's going on so that in itself like we can't really make an accurate judgment of how other people sort of are like when they're going through tough times but the thing is that we take that misconception and we run run along with it because we're like oh this person seems like they're really resilient because they do this 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 Therefore, these are like the standards that I need to get to. So when I don't get to that standards, oh, I'm just like the worst and I'm not, you know, resilient enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that sort of feeds into itself. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's so easy to bring yourself down about the things you can't do as opposed to lift yourself up with the things you actually are good at. Um mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big part of resilience is identifying your strengths and working with them as opposed to being like, I'm not as strong as this person when it comes to doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people, it's quite sad because, you know, you ask them like, you know, what do you think your strengths are? And they absolutely cannot answer that. And sometimes they might know what their like strengths are. But then their relationship with their flaws or like their weaknesses is quite difficult because they get so like punitive, like they get like they just berate themselves and like, oh, like I have this weakness and then just kind of keep beating themselves up for it when it's just everyone's going to have some form of weaknesses and, you know, we need to know what our weaknesses are but then we also can make that decision whether okay is this a weakness that i can consciously work to improve or is this you know it's a weakness that i'm happy to kind of have and deal with and yeah yeah i love that i feel like even if it is a weakness being okay with it sometimes helps you get through it exactly yeah And I guess we can shift over a bit now and I'm going to ask you what autonomy means to you. I mean, to be honest, I had to Google this and I'm just like, what would be the best definition for it? Because (laughs) I feel like autonomy is like one of those words like rationality. It's kind of like there's a different definition in a common sense term. There's a different definition in like a government sense um like moral sense um 
all that stuff. So I'm going to go off, I guess, based on the more psychological kind of definition, I guess. And I guess like autonomy is having that independence to make uncoerced decisions um, that fits, I guess, your moral compass and like sort of moral goals and all that stuff. So it does have some tie in with um, your morals in this case. And I think the part that's also like really important is, I guess, not having that coercion from anyone else. So, you know, being very independent and responsible for your actions. I love that. I really like that definition. So do you think that a part of autonomy is just having the strength to follow through in what's best for you as opposed to all the other possible determining factors around you, like, I don't know, friends telling you something, workplace, I don't know, different kinds of variables? In a sense, yes, because I guess it depends on like what you're using this autonomy for. Mm. Because if we're using this autonomy to make decisions for ourselves, so let's just say decisions on what we wear or like decisions on our career pathway or what we're going to eat, again, going back to food. But, <laughs> you know, it's that's fine because, you know, that decision mostly like impacts yourself mostly like it doesn't really necessarily impact other people i find with um i guess other kind of situations and contexts where other people are involved that's um that's a little bit harder because then you're placing yourself in the situation where you have your autonomy but everyone around you also has their autonomy Mm. so this is where i guess people learn to, I guess, like push back and forth a little bit as to like, okay, how much do I impose this onto like other people or how yeah. much do I let other people impose that onto me? Mm. I think that's got to be a little bit more complex because that's more of that social interaction around. Yeah, I feel like it would be complex because I think autonomy, or correct me if I'm wrong, is being able to think about what your needs, what your values are and working based on that. But I feel like when other people are involved, it's a bit hard because sometimes your values and your beliefs can be conflicting to theirs and it might be best for you, but it's not what's best for them. Yes, exactly. And I think we never reach like a state where we have I guess, absolute autonomy. Like, I think that concept, uh, this is going to like bleed into like free will a little bit, which I'm trying not to get there. (laughs) But I guess um, autonomy, I don't think is like an ultimate thing where it's just like, you know, you have sort of like the ultimate autonomy to like... um, create this decision and it won't sort of impact other people yeah it's um yeah it's a little bit tricky 
But I think that when we sort of like pull that back a little bit, having that autonomy just means that you have the independence that's like, you know, separate separate from other people's um, that can lead you to make these decisions. In saying that, you know, of course you can get maybe persuaded by other people, like you might have, you know, consideration for other people's opinions, but you still have the autonomy to kind of make that final call for that decision. Yeah, and how do we go about using autonomy as a strength? Mm. Um, I guess like having like autonomy as a um, strength, like we all have that, right? We all have that autonomy. Um, I think that sort of is something that's technically uh right i say like you know everyone has like the right to autonomy um i guess since they achieve like adulthood let's just say because you know technically when you're 18 you're like supposed to be like mature enough although in reality i don't know about you but i felt like when i was 18 i don't know what i was doing yeah yeah so, <laughs> it's um it's 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 that fine line but anyways, I think once you like turn 18, right, you have the autonomy to make these decisions for yourself. And what that also means is that sometimes you do make poor decisions and unfortunately have to learn from that. But because you're mature enough to have that autonomy, you also need to have that responsibility and accountability to deal with that so that's a strength that i think we have as adults that you know when we think about kids they don't necessarily have that autonomy nor they should have that autonomy because they still need a lot of guidance from adults so hopefully they have adults that know how to use their autonomy sort of like properly to like guide these kids yeah but that's a whole other kind of worms i think <laughs> yeah i feel like autonomy is starting to sound like a very big responsibility like we all have autonomy and we use it every day when we make decisions or in anything mm -hmm. we do but like talking about it now it actually sounds like a huge responsibility to have all of this influence over what we do and what we choose for ourselves Oh, absolutely. And I think it's important, though, I think, to have that um, feel of, like, how big this actually is because I know there's oftentimes, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, they're adults, they should just, you know, be free to do whatever they want, to make whatever decision they want, which, on the whole, I actually disagree with that kind of notion because that just sort of allows decisions without any consequences. Whereas we need to know that each decisions that we make not only impact our life, but the life of, you know, the people closest to us, our family, our friends, partner, or, you know, even just the world around us, really, because 
a lot of the times, like the decisions that we make, they trickle down into all of these things that we might not consider when making that decision, but regardless, still consequential anyway. So I think understanding that, yes, having autonomy, yes, it, it is a right, but it's also a big responsibility to have, I think is really important so that we can actually make more responsible decisions, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like we've broken down this word autonomy a lot. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, autonomy is actually a lot bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, But hopefully by the end of this, it'll start to make a bit more sense. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask you of what you think about help-seeking behaviour and what it looks like. Yeah, so help-seeking behaviour is being able to identify when I am not capable of doing this on my own anymore and I am hopefully going to look for the right person to like help me with this. And it's it's such an important skill to have, yet I think not a lot of people get the mastery of it. It is a really hard skill to balance, I think, because, you know, yes, you want to be able to ask for help, but also at the same time, you don't want to be um, too reliant on and too dependent on other people as well. So I think a huge part of it is sort of finding that sweet spot where like, you know, you're balanced in that to help seeking behavior. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like there's sometimes might be a stigma, like a negative stigma around this idea of seeking help as being Mm -hmm. a sign of weakness. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably one of the most um, common thing I hear in um, my work with clients. Um, You know, you get clients who have been on their own for most of their life, really, and they had to almost reach a breaking point point for them to be like hey I actually need help which is is commendable that they actually you know um, are able to do that but also at that point usually um, they're at that point where it's like actually really difficult because you have to like trace back to a lot of things and change a lot of things as well yeah I feel like even taking that first step to see a psychologist would be like healthy help-seeking behaviour, would you say? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's good to be proactive about these things. Um, It's kind of like I would usually compare psychologists to personal trainers rather than like doctors because you usually go to a doctor when you're sick, um, which... I've been trying not to, like I've been trying to be like a bit more proactive going to the doctor and um, just, you know, doing your annual medical checkups and all that stuff just so that you actually don't have to see them as often, which is better, right? Yeah. And, um, but I know that the general sort of consensus on that usually is like, you know, you see a doctor if there's something wrong, which is, you know, fine. I'm not going to like push against that. But... I think with 
psychologist, I think we get this sort of, um, yeah, stigma. I guess that, you know, you go to a psychologist when it's like really, really, really bad, uh, which I guess, yes, you know, for some people that might just be their turning point, but we could also be like personal trainers really where like we're there to keep you in check um sometimes some people need that person just to be like um just to be able to debrief with and they are able to i guess report back because sometimes you know with working with clients i give them like exercises or like homeworks to do um and they're just like oh i just need you so like i can actually um have someone to report to because if i don't have that i just won't do it kind of thing so yeah i think that's um that's really hard for most people to kind of start that journey to actually like go get help yeah for sure and when i was thinking about this topic i was thinking a lot about toxic masculinity and i was thinking about like how gender roles kind of play a role in this Mm -hmm. as well this idea of seeking help if you seek help you're weak and I think toxic masculinity has a big part in like creating that stigma of when you reach out for help that's a sign when you've hit rock bottom but like you were saying before like I feel like a lot of people even people I know have psychologists Mm -hmm. just because they want to talk about something they don't have to be at like you know rock bottom to have to have a psychologist yeah it's it's easier for us to help people when they're like haven't hit rock bottom yet because when they've hit rock bottom usually it's like it's a much longer like therapeutic process which would still be able to help with but you know i usually set that expectations as well being like okay look this is going to take a while because Mm. you've kind of reached this point but um I guess I don't know too much about like you know whether toxic masculinity sort of like plays a role in this or not because I happen to see this behavior almost equally from both genders um, because yes I think there's this sort of general idea that like you know men get taught like you know oh you know be tough don't ask for help do it yourself kind of thing. Mm. But on that same note, I think a lot of women actually have more of that perfectionistic traits, which is it's not necessarily from the outside, but internally, you know, we're more likely to be perfectionistic and therefore sometimes less likely to like ask for help as well. Mm. So, Yeah. yeah, I don't know too much i mean i don't have the um consensus for this but at least from my practice like i can see from both sides quite equally but i also think it i think rather than like the gender itself like probably i think a lot of it also has to do with i guess like our perspectives on ourselves and on other people as well because um 
say like this, like, I don't know if you've, you know, came across these people, like these kind of people, or like, you know, you've probably have thought about this yourself even, but sometimes it's like, oh, I don't, no, I don't think I should ask for that because that's embarrassing. Mm. I mean, I've had that. <laughs> like, I've definitely had that. It's like, well, yeah. I'm in this kind of position. Like, I know what I'm doing. Therefore, like, oh, if I reach out for help, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I feel like I've had moments where I'm like, oh, maybe getting help would be a good idea. But, oh, if I do that, then that means that I can't do this on my own. And I guess that sense of, like, independence and wanting to resolve things as opposed to seeking help kicks in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's something that we get so caught up with, right? Like, um, I mean, let's see, like, what, what just happened earlier today, right? Because, like... To be honest, like a part of me when like I was having that sort of bit of technological problem, a part of me mm. was actually being like, no, like, you know, you got this. You're not some like, um, you know, some person who like doesn't know how to deal with like technology and stuff. Nah, you'll be fine. You get, you know, you sort all of this. And I was like, it's been five minutes. This is not going to solve itself. I don't know what's happening. So it's just like, I should email you. And just yeah. Smile. Help me out here, guys. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And in that moment where you did that, um, mm. I wasn't like, oh, my God, she's reaching out for help. That's terrible. I'm like, oh, great. I'm happy to help. This happens. Yeah. But see, that's the thing, right? Like from the other perspective, when I've reached out for your help, you felt happy to help, which mm. a lot of people tend to forget when they're reaching out for help because all they worry about is like well i don't want to burden these people i don't want them to think i'm stupid so sometimes actually flipping that switch a little bit it's like well you're happy if people ask you for help so why can't we shift this to be like well i'm not burdening them i'm giving them the opportunity to feel happy to help me yeah exactly and i feel like <laughs> that is the outlook we should have and especially if we've never like reached out to that person for help like they're never going to be like oh why are you coming to me for help like i'm not going to want to help you um yeah it's never really as bad as we think it's gonna be exactly but in our mind it it just grows bigger and bigger so it it does take a while to get used to that to get used to just say hey i don't know what I need to do can you please help and like creating that habit so that it you know it just becomes a lot easier to do rather than it becoming something that just sort of weighs you on your mind really mm, for sure and how do you say that like how would you say autonomy can help empower people to overcome these obstacles I think Autonomy can sort of fit in in this sense that, um, like we talked about just then, like how big autonomy actually is, right? You know, there's this sense of like responsibility. So having that sort of autonomy helps us sort of realize that, hey, I too have limits and I need to know where my limits are. So I know that I'm weak at certain things, therefore I 
would need to be a bit more proactive in this. I need to be humble enough to reach out and ask for help. Whereas if we just sort of, I don't know, forget about all of that, like we just take everything into our own hands and think, you know, no, I need to solve this on my own. I need to get this fixed, you know, by myself when that's that's probably not going to get us anywhere. Yeah, for sure. I don't think autonomy means total independence where you are just doing everything by yourself and for yourself. And I Mm -hmm. feel like it's important to break that down and make it known that autonomy can also include making the decision to get help. Exactly. And that's probably one of the harder things to do. Yeah. Again, I feel like everything's so much easier said than done when we talk about (laughs) concepts like this. Um, But can you share any examples of stories of individuals who have, you know, demonstrated resilience by doing this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, this is someone that I, you know, really look up to in my life. Uh, You know, she's my best friend and... um, (coughs) I guess she is someone that truly taught me firsthand like how to ask for help because that whole thing I was mentioning about, you know, like asking for help also means like you're giving other people the opportunity to like help you and feel good about it. I actually got it from her because I guess, you know, I grew up quite independent like I grew up quite um self-sufficient not easily like relying on other people and um I guess seeing how she used to be like that as well to an extent but she went through some like difficult times and seeing how humble she was to keep like actually reaching out for help she sort of went from the bottom basically she just sort of allowed herself to constantly like ask for feedback you know putting herself in the crossfire for all of this probably quite hurtful criticisms feedbacks and all that stuff but then also using that to continuously improve herself to get herself out of that hole and me sort of watching that all happening in real time I felt like that was truly inspiring and I think having that experience myself um I guess that kind of rubbed off on me as well and I kind of learned from that and I learned like okay it's actually good to be humble enough to ask for help from other people and to accept our limitations as human beings to be like, I guess, having that moment to think to ourselves, hey, am I actually capable of doing this? If not, that's okay. I'm not the scum of the earth. I'm not the worst person to ever exist. I just don't know how to do this thing and I need this other person to help me with this and making it as simple as that. 
Yeah, I feel like sometimes we might overcomplicate this idea of seeking help. And I don't know about you, but whenever I go to think about, oh, let me reach out to someone because I need some help, in my brain I'm like, do I need to? Will they think I'm annoying? Is this embarrassing? Like can I resolve this on my own first? I feel like there's this checklist we go through before Mm. we actually reach out for help and sometimes that deters us from reaching out. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally go through like that kind of motion as well, right? It's like, is this problem big enough for me to like reach out for help for? Or is this something that I can maybe just Google and, you know, get away with it? <laughs> you yeah. Know, not having to ask someone like risking, I don't know, sounding stupid or something. Because you know, we all kind of think that, right? It's like, oh, yeah. I don't want to sound stupid if I ask for help on this thing. Yeah, exactly. And I'd rather Google something and have Google, like, keep that in my little history as opposed (laughs) to, you know, having that out there in the world with someone permanently knowing that part of me. And I feel like there's a lot of vulnerability that goes into seeking help as well. Yes. So it's great that you bring that up about that vulnerability because I think at the core of it all, it is about that, isn't it? It's like we don't want to feel vulnerable. Um, you know, I don't want to seem stupid. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound embarrassing. Uh, I don't want to be a burden. All yeah. of these things are, you know, the same words under that whole term of like being vulnerable. But that's a part that's like really important for us because when we are being vulnerable and other people can actually step in and help us, that's when we can actually form quite strong bonds with people, right? Because then I'm vulnerable towards you and then you support me. And then because there's already that kind of interaction, then you probably would feel more comfortable being vulnerable towards me because you know that, okay, maybe there's this sort of like mutual thing happening here. But when we sort of refuse to show that vulnerable part of ourselves to anyone, really, then how are we ever going to trust anyone? Yeah, for sure. And would you say that even that process of being like, okay, I'm going to reach out for help is a part of autonomy because you're building like these values and these beliefs of it's okay to seek help when I do need to seek help. And that's something that I'm going to be okay with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a feedback loop, right? Because um, you know you reach out, and then you know, of course, there will be times you reach out, and it's just not going to work. So, like, you reach out to someone, and this person just doesn't get it, or it's just not being able to help you for whatever reason. Mm. But that's okay. Like, you can still reach out to someone else. <laughs> like, you know, and hopefully that works or maybe just reach out at a different timing so yes like because you're putting yourself out there you reach out for help you assess the feedback that you get from this other person that you reached out to then that sort of like helps you shape that autonomy as well it's like oh okay like i know that i can reach out for like these kinds of things that you know i need support with and like i know i can reach out when i'm at this point 
Yeah, exactly. And I'm sensing that there's a lot of self-awareness that's involved in this process as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge part of it, actually, just having that um, self-awareness and just having that, um, I guess, a, acknowledgement as well as to like where I'm at at this time. Yeah, for sure. And how would individuals go about developing a deeper understanding of what their needs are and how they can go about seeking help with that? Um, When we talk about needs, I think this will depend on the goals that you're trying to achieve, right? Because... um, I guess let's just say, let's put this into like a bit more like a specific kind of example. So let's just say in my PhD, like my goal is to, you know, be able to like publish research papers, to um, finish it, (laughs) to like learn more about it. So there are some clear goals that are, you know, associated with it. So it's important for me then to identify like what my needs are. So to identify what my needs are, I need to know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So for example, say I'm <clears throat> I'm good at researching things. Like I'm good at, you know, looking for like literature. I'm good at looking for, um, I guess, specific like ideas that you know I need to like cultivate but I'm not that good in the actual maybe like the technical statistical things perhaps or maybe like I'm not that good at um I don't know I guess like the because I have to use this other like statistical software that I haven't used before. So like clearly I'm not good at it. So like I know I need to like practice it, right? And like yeah. um, I need to constantly like nudge and poke my supervisor being like, hey, can you help me out with this? Because like I don't know what I did and it's just breaking and I'm freaking out and like um, all that stuff. But for some other things like, oh, I know I'm good at maybe um, communicating my research to other people um, talking to other people, presenting it, that's, that's fine. So when we identify that, okay, I'm not good at these things, then that's practically our needs, right? Because it's not met yet. So like, okay, I need to, um, sign up for like a course in this, um, statistical package thing. Um, I need to, I guess, continuously ask my supervisor if there's you know anything that I have in mind or I just have to and need to practice it more as well. So then the needs become very clear to us. And then when we identify that, I can like, okay, who do I reach out to so that we can reach out to people in a more targeted way because I think usually what happens is that we don't know what our needs are you know we just sort of feel like oh I just don't feel great 
feel like something's off. I don't know what's wrong. It just doesn't feel right. But I also don't know what I need. But I'm going to like reach out for help anyway. But then it's not quite targeted. And that's where, you know, there's like a mismatch because this person that you've reached out to is maybe not a good fit for like your need. Mm -hmm. But then maybe because of that one bad experience, they're just like, I'm just not going to like ask for help again. That's sad because that's like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I feel like if we do encounter a situation where we have been rejected, that could be really hard to take. And actually, especially if you're someone that's trying to, you know, use like help seeking behavior for the first time and then you just keep getting pushed down or getting rejected, that can be really hard to sort of, you know, use as fuel to keep going. You might see it as like, oh, it's not working for me. I guess I can't do it. Yeah, but that's really quite defeating, isn't it? Because it's just like, oh, I'm just not good at it. Oh, it's just no one cares. And like, you know, that's just going to like spark to like a much bigger thing. When, you know, let's just say when, you know, say if I reach out to you for help and, you know, I'm being quite vague about it, I'm just like, oh, Johanna, like I'm just, you know, this is happening. I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, but I'm also not communicating to you like, what do I need from you like to mm. help me? So it's like, how would you feel then as the person that I'm asking for help for? Yeah, exactly. I would have no idea how to go about it. And that would probably lead me to being like, sorry, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. 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 Right. And like sometimes, you know, the person in that position could feel like even super anxious about it and stressed out because like, oh, you know, I really care about you. I see you're like, needing help but I don't know what you need so I think you need this but then it's not right and then it's like now you've got two people just like really anxious and not knowing what to do and no one's problems mm. getting solved yeah exactly so. so I'm sensing a lot of self-awareness but also communication skills and if you know you want something be able to communicate that so you're not only helping yourself but you're also helping the person who you want to help you get to that point where you can help each other exactly and how are we supposed to communicate well if we can't identify that ourselves because Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate you know well enough and like things you need to at least gain some understanding of what you're going to be talking about first right yeah (laughs) yeah it's like going to a ted talk with nothing to say exactly yeah well i just came up with that out of nowhere that was a good one (laughs) i love that um Yeah. yeah but there's so much involved but i feel like taking that time to reflect on what you need Hmm. would you say that's probably the first step um Yes, and I guess before that even, like, I think really defining, like, our goals as well. Like, what Mm. do we want out of this? Because I think a lot of the times people are very clear about (coughs) that. So let's just say, uh, uh, I want to, I don't know, I want to do this. I want to, like, you know do this job for example and you know someone else like okay what are you looking to get out of that job they're just like i don't know because someone you know you you need to work right like you know as a 
functioning adult human being you need to work i was like well that's not a good enough goal to aim at that's like well what do you want to do with it so um if we can actually sort of clarify those goals a little bit better so turning that into something more along the lines of like okay well i want to work um in this job because you know i want to contribute to the world in this way like i want to um i guess use this as my act of service to the community to the world and this is how i want to do it and um therefore i identify like my needs are like this 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 and i have to like kind of go through that motion to get towards that goal but i think when we just are so unclear about the goals that we have then how are we supposed to get anywhere really Mm. yeah for sure and say if we got to this point where we are these autonomous help-seeking individuals what Mm. would our lives look like would you say we'd feel more enriched Mm. oh yeah for sure because i think when we seek out help right and this is not necessarily just you know going to a psychologist or anything but you know sometimes seeking out help for i guess learning new things or to understand foreign concepts that we don't quite know much about yet and um yeah i think enriching is probably like a really great word for it because it enriches your self like your knowledge your experience your identity and that again sort of becomes this feedback loop where you just like you know maybe you become more just easily like connecting to other people like you can actually make great conversations with other people and you just sort of keep going through this notion of just like yes learning new things and then like um broadening your like worldview your knowledge and that's great because i mean after all isn't that sort of what we strive for really yeah, exactly. And it's really awesome to be able to envision this end goal for yourself, mm-hmm. but then also know that there are these steps that you need to take to get to that. And that's resilience in itself as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you're sort of like allowing yourself to go through like some difficult times. It's not easy to like ask for help. It's not easy for you to welcome other people you know telling you where you might be doing things wrong like it's so hard but um i wrote this line in a book recently and i it i just felt it um to my core um and it just says we don't need people to tell us that we're right we need people to tell us where we're wrong and i thought that was actually quite profound because that is true it's like why do i need people to tell me that i'm right when i already know that i'm right when Mm. you know i actually need people to you know 
pick up my blind spots. Like, tell me, like, yeah, maybe, but wait, I don't know. Have you considered this other thing? And, yeah. you know, actually practicing building that habit to welcome that kind of feedback for, from other people really can enrich our experience. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're always quick to defend ourselves and be like, please, like, I don't need to hear that from you. Like, I'm right. Like, what are you talking about? Improvement? No. Um, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm perfect. We got this. Um, No, but that is so important. I feel like when I get advice that tells me to be more accountable or is like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this isn't right. It actually hits a lot harder than people reaffirming bad behaviors that I might have and being like, you know what? You're doing well. Just keep going. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm fine, <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. And look, I'm talking like this, but it's still, it still hurts. Like, I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's so important out to me. I'm just like, you know, putting out holes and like my, like, thesis arguments I'll be like ouch like okay but again sort of like embracing that even and just being like it's okay I'm being defensive about this but that's a hell of a feedback so okay let's see how you know this can like fit into things like is this other perspective worth further investigation because there's still a chance they could be wrong but at Mm -hmm. least I'm gracious enough to be like okay i take your point that hurts but let's let's see if you're right and you know if they are right and i've taken that on board that's going to be a win for me as well right so yeah for sure and i feel like that's a really great way to see it and the way like most people should go about seeing that kind of stuff but again it's really hard to do so it's something you just like integrate into your life yeah Practice, practice, practice. I think it's um, always the key for it because, again, we're building habits, right? So I think even just that defensiveness that comes out, that's also a habit because that comes like quite quickly, right? Mm. It's automatic. So it's just, it's a habit that we've built up. So it's about then shifting that habit into acknowledging like yes this hurts but you know what i am actually going to like take this point on board and see if this is going to actually help me get better yeah for sure so let's get into some of our practices and experiment debrief section questions so my first one for you is what is a practice that you would recommend to cultivate help-seeking behavior or something that you do Yes, so I guess like in a practical sort of way, um, I think it's always important to have some time to do a bit of like a self-reflection time. So, you know, I think a lot of people kind of do this on like, you know, coming up to the New Year's or something. They start like, oh, you know, manifesting and all that kind of stuff and then Mm. they forget about it or something, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. Like I think having that kind of intentional reflection kind of practice is really good so even um for those who are like working let's just say every six months or something you know at work usually get like annual um what is it 
progress review or something like that um where you sort of like are asked to like reflect on your work but sometimes i don't know i know uh, i don't know about you but sometimes like when i used to do that i feel like i didn't um take that seriously enough when it comes to like you know it being like a tick for work purposes mm. but hopefully doing it for ourselves is you know going to help us take it a little bit more seriously so i think even just like having those check-ins <laughs> with ourselves every six months or so because a lot can happen in six months right mm. and just checking okay are are our goals still the same and are we still heading towards that goal has our goal shifted because sometimes it could happen you know our goals just shifted but then we also need to make a note of that okay if our goals have shifted then okay how what do we need to do to kind of shift course to reach towards this new goal and then again the same thing sort of like okay identify what are we not that good at yet what is holding us back from achieving these goals right now okay then what are our needs that we need to i guess fulfill to get to that goal so having that habitual sort of check-in i think is really really good yeah for sure and i totally get what you mean about when you have to do something for work or because uni is telling you you have to do it you'll do it <laughs> because you have to complete it yeah. and there's no actual motivation that's coming from you to want to do that and actually have an outcome from it. So I love checking in like every six months. I feel like that's a really good idea. Yeah. So if, you know, if in six months, like a lot of the things are like quite the same, all good, you know, you sort of keep going. But I think we also have to be honest with ourselves. Let's say, hey, my goals have changed. I don't actually want to do this anymore. And that's okay. I think a lot of people then maybe get a little bit stuck on like, yeah, but I've had this goal for like seven years. And then it's like, you know, I don't want to like just leave it or like waste it. And it's like, no, no, no. If your goals have changed, that's okay. That's just probably about the timing. So um, it's also important to acknowledge that our goals can change. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like people don't do that enough, the whole goal setting thing. I feel like there's a bit of a stigma around it, like, oh, goal setting, like, I'll forget about that <laughs> in like a week after doing it. And I feel like that's a whole other thing to like keep yourself accountable to the goals that you set yourself. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, what's life really if we don't have goals to achieve, right? Because we're just floating by doing mm. the mundane task every day because we don't have a goal to reach towards so life then becomes meaningless so yeah i think having some sort of goal that you know it doesn't have to be perfect like i think people sort of idealize this like oh i need to have this sort of perfect goal like you know um everyone else is doing it and it's like no if that's not your goal that does not matter 
Yeah, for sure. And I love how you mentioned this idea but, of like just floating through your life. I feel like whenever I feel like I'm just going through things for the sake of doing all those mundane tasks, that's when I know I really need to check in and be like, okay, what is my purpose here? Like, what am I actually working towards? Like, I'm not just going to work for the sake of going to work. Like, why am I doing this? Yeah, absolutely. So those are like the critical times to like check in with yourself. Yeah, for sure. And do you set time aside to do this in any particular time of your day? Uh, well, not particular time of the day, really. Like I don't do this like every day. So I just sort of do it um, usually like, like I said, every six months or so. Um, at least I have to do it maybe like, yeah, that twice a year sort of thing. But if say there are some major changes in like my situation or pandemic happened you know you're kind yeah. of forced to kind of like sit and reflect and like <laughs> and say what am I doing with my life yeah. then you know you do it right so yeah for sure and when we do have those things come up I feel like that's also a great chance to reflect I mean when you are sitting at home and you're not allowed to go outside I feel like there's not much else you can do than reflect so fair enough kind of have to so yeah might as well use it as a good thing but do you think there are any challenges to this practice I mean every six months that sometimes could that be hard to actually do yeah I mean sometimes it's just like I don't know. I feel like everything's great. And then like next month it's not. So, yeah. um, you know, there are times where that can happen. Um, so yeah, sometimes, you know, you're trying to check in with yourself in six months and it's like, oh, I don't know. I've been so busy in the last six months that it feels like I don't need to change anything sort of thing. But again, like, it's important to then think about the things that we are doing, right? It's yeah. like, okay, I'm doing this work. I'm doing this job. What am I going to do with this? What am I taking this to? It's like, if I'm just doing this for the sake of filling up my time, now that my time is filled, I probably don't need to do it anymore kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So mm. it's more dependent on... When you get to that point, do you feel like you need to change anything? And it's okay if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, it's it's a good balance of things if you feel like, yep, all of these things that I'm doing are still contributing the same thing towards my goals. All good. That's fine. But at least we've given it the opportunity to, you know, just to check it. Yeah. Sure. And how do you think doing this has impacted your resilience or perception in life? I think doing this, um, I guess one really helped me like realize what I'm not good at. <laughs> uh, helped me realize like, okay, um, what are my limits? Because sometimes you know especially for some people like who are like you know willing to try new things you know so open to doing different things um we can sort of get into this bad habit of just like oh yeah yeah i'm gonna take all of these opportunities and then you overwhelm yourself in the process and you're like oh mm. what am i doing all of these things <laughs> yeah so 
um, having that bit of like check with myself and that like time to reflect actually like helps me to be like, okay, that was great that I've given this a go, but I don't think this is like serving me anymore in the way that I want to serve, I guess, in that way. Yeah, for sure. And if this, for example, doesn't work for someone, are there any other practices you might recommend people try? Sometimes having um, a talk with someone like that you really trust, like, you know, someone who you think really knows you, um, because sometimes, you know, we get a little bit blindsided ourselves, right? Like, you know, we're not, you know, we try to reflect, but then sometimes you miss things. That's fine. But yeah. um, sometimes other people, um, especially if, you know, you've reached that sort of bond with them and you're pretty open to one another and, you know, having them sort of checking on you and being like, hey, I can notice like, you know, you're a bit off. Don't think this is like right for you. Like, I guess opening up that kind of conversation and allowing them to kind of give that feedback as well is really, really good because having all of these different perspectives actually take us a step closer towards the truth, right? And I think mm. that's ultimately, hopefully, where we like strive to get towards. Yeah. And again, it's bringing us back to reaffirming help-seeking behaviour. Like, it is a strategy in itself. Yes. It's a strategy and a goal to achieve. <laughs> so. Beautiful. Well, I think that brings us now to our open mic section. So yeah. I'd like to open the floor for you to talk about anything that you would like to talk about. Well, thank you for, like, the opportunity to, like, do this. So, um, I have actually started to develop this academy based in Indonesia with like two of my best friends and um, at the moment um, it's called Knowledge Tree Academy. We're on Instagram and um, at the moment we are still sort of focusing on like more private tutoring for like kids um, over there but what we are planning to do is actually to develop this into like I guess like a bigger academy with hopefully like quite a different approach to education and teaching because I think this is what we found is missing quite a fair bit from the education um, but I guess like especially in Indonesia where I guess Kids are generally taught in, um, uh, what's the word for it? More sort of like matter of fact kind of way. And it's not really a lot of that encouragement to actually develop that uh, like excitement to learn kind of behavior or health seeking behavior, perhaps, mm. just to kind of be like, um, oh, yes, like, um, eager to learn new things I'm eager to like open to like new suggestions feedbacks and all that kind of stuff so we are trying to hopefully like implement more evidence-based kind of practices like best practice in education so that these kids are not only like learning maths but they also learn the philosophy of like learning 
And so hopefully that then can translate into just like how they can make better decisions, which hopefully that's the ultimate goal. So yeah, hopefully if, you know, if we want to check it out, um, we've got some posts on Instagram, but we're still developing it as we speak. That sounds awesome. I feel like that's such a beautiful concept. And another way people can get help beyond, you know, reaching out to a psychologist, like educational help, like there's so many facets. Yeah, and I I do strongly believe that um, if we can, I guess, permeate through like the education sort of system, then hopefully it just sort of lessens the need for like more complex sort of psychological help because especially just like decision-making skills really it's not something that we learn right but by i guess like making better judgment knowing how to make better decisions then hopefully just sort of naturally makes people a lot happier yeah i feel like that's so great i feel like if a lot of people had that in their childhood or growing up in the education system it would put them in a really great place like as they reach adulthood to understand (laughs) concepts like autonomy and help seeking behavior a lot more yeah and it's um it's more that habits right rather than Mm. like just that sort of concrete knowledge of things but it's also like okay how can they best put this into practice so they can actually develop good habits yeah exactly and we've grown up with so many habits and I feel like we don't think of like these kinds of things as like a habit that we have naturally and we have to like build Mm -hmm. towards it but if we can grow up in that way that's amazing yeah, exactly. So hopefully it just makes it a lot easier and better for the future generations to come. Amazing. Well, that is really awesome. And I can't wait to see how that goes for you. No, thank you. We'll hopefully check it out and give us some love. No, for sure. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. Um, <laughs> but that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Kasani. Um if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Um, they can go to my website, um, I guess, gasanipsychologist.com.au. And um, I am also on LinkedIn, um, the same name, Gasani Swariandini, but that's about it. Or, you know, at Knowledge Tree Academy Instagram, but that's my only sort of business related Instagram. So. Beautiful. Well, I had so much fun talking to you today. So thank you for coming on. Righty. Well, thanks for having me and Jana. And um, yeah, that was great chat. So thank you. Beautiful. Well, we've also got Gasani's details in the description below. But to everyone listening, please don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And we'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pr.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.